We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, welcome in to another episode of Buzz Beat. We are live currently on Twitter, on YouTube. Uh, thank you for joining us for another episode. If you're listening live or uh, you know in one of your podcast feeds later on this week, this is Brian Geising, and today I will be joined uh, by Lee Branscom, who it's very good to see. I've not I've not done a pod here uh, with Lee in, in a little while now, actually. But the Hornets, of course, have some preseason basketball. Uh, starting up this week uh, with the first game taking place Tuesday, October 10th. That's about a little under 24 hours from when we're doing this right now uh, down in Miami. Uh, and on today's episode, before that game against the Heat, we'll be chatting about some over and under prop bets uh, and other using those as sort of like a launching pad uh, to get into some other topics of conversation for the season. But before we get to any of that, Lee, allow me allow me to have the opportunity to uh, finally, for the first time in a few weeks, uh, one, record a podcast with you, and also, B, more importantly, wish you a congratulations to you uh, and the wife, I guess newly married, or do you feel like you've now been married for a long time, now that you're yeah. 21 days into uh, the endeavor here? Yeah, I mean, I, like, like I was telling you prior, I mean, I'm, I'm essentially an expert at this point. Um, I'll probably <laughs> be writing a book um, on the secrets of marriage three weeks in. <laughs> so we've got it all figured out here. It, it is great to be back on the airwaves. And uh, yeah, and uh, c- congrats to uh, to our producer tonight who's off air, Richie, bringing a new Hornets fan into <laughs> to this earthly realm. So lots of life changes here at BuzzBeat, but we're still we're still bringing you hard hitting Hornets content, you know? And that's yeah. Yeah. Mar- you know, marriage, children in the return of Hornets basketball. I mean, really what else, what more what could else? you want? But no, like again, congratulations in all, ser- in all seriousness, congratulations to you and your wife Lee and congratulations to the Randall family, both Richie and Paige. Oh, welcoming in. Uh, now there's two, two little Hornets fans in that family. So, <laughs> Very, very cool to see. And uh, for those listening who can't tell already, I am playing sick tonight. I'm a little under the weather. But if you will just bear with my voice sounding 
a little worse than usual, I would appreciate the uh, patience. So that's a flu game tonight, BG. <laughs> not quite, but uh, you might be carrying me like Pippin uh, <laughs> here, here off out of the uh, the chat room here at the end of the night. But um, without further ado, let's go ahead and jump in again. These are going to be just some over-unders. Uh, I don't think any of these are like necessarily official sort of like Vegas lines, uh, including like sort of the win total stuff we're going to get into. We adjusted some of these and kind of came up with some of these numbers on our own. But for the first one, the first over-under for today's episode, we're talking about uh, standing or sort of like place in the Eastern Conference. We're going with 12.5 with the over being better, like, you know, 11, 10, 9, uh, maybe even, you know, 8 uh, or 6, 7 if you think they're going to end up in the uh, the the playoff, you know, safely in the playoff race. And with only what would only be the two spots, or I guess three spots, forgive me, 13, 14, and 15 being the under. So Lee, do you see the Hornets finishing 12 and a half or better in terms of Eastern Conference standing? Yeah, so I think this might be, like you said, I think it might be a mix of Vegas lines and Richie lines, um, but uh, which we like, you know, add a little spice. I, I think this is like the right over under. I think 12 and a half is probably where it should be. You look at the East and it's kind of like, I don't know, I'm kind of grouping it as like a group of seven at the top, Boston, Milwaukee, Philly, Cleveland, New York, Knicks, Miami, Atlanta. And then there's like that kind of Toronto, Brooklyn, eight and nine, which is like little less certain, but maybe like a step above this kind of 10 to 13 group, Orlando, Indiana, Chicago, Charlotte. And then you've got like Detroit, Washington kind of in the cellar, at least in my opinion. I'm going to be optimistic, BG. I'm going to actually take the – well, okay, if I'm saying the Hornets are going to finish 10th, am I taking the over? I'm taking the over better. So mm-hmm. I, yeah. I, I like – I don't know. There's part of me that's like this is the same team that made the play-in two years ago plus Mark Williams, plus Brandon Miller, plus hopefully a healthy LaMelo ball. So – Obviously, we've we've kind of ad nauseum talked about, you know, PJ's back, Bridges is back. You know, I like the Hornets to have kind of a bounce back season and and like just by the skin of their teeth, make the play in game. It is nice that they do have a few guys on this roster that seem like they're going to improve. You know, LaMelo, Mark, not just the, the health, like he's, he's still getting better as a player. Yeah, 100%. Um, Mark Williams, PJ Washington still just turned 24 like a, a month ago or six weeks ago or so. So like conceivably, and he showed new stuff, I think in terms of his game. Um, granted, he was maybe forced into a slightly different role last season. But just a lot of guys in the roster that theoretically should still be like on the upswing of their careers that are also like in the rotation. Um, I think you can look about this from the other angle. It's like, of the 15 teams in the Eastern Conference, you know that two of them are, are going to – are like early – I certainly like one of them is definitely going to be bad with the Wizards. Like I right. think you can feel pretty like pretty safe about that. And if you're looking at the over-under from that, well, then all of a sudden you're only leaving um, – you know, there's only two slots. You know, there's 13 um, or 14. And uh, I guess you could be expecting the Pistons to make a jump this season too. I mean, they've got so many talented young players and a, and a guy like Kate Cunningham who if he comes back healthy – 
you know, looks right for a, a breakthrough season, or maybe he even sort of like makes a, an early all-star push uh, with yeah. his third, third year in the league. Um, he certainly played great ball for the select team ahead of the, uh, the FIBA World Cup this summer. And again, plenty of other young guys on that roster with Ivy and uh, Jalen Duran. So there's a lot, there's a lot of talent there. But you know, my my guess would be the Hornets, um, probably like a little bit further along um, in whatever their whatever their progression is. And with Steve Clifford sort of like ringing, you know, every every defensive stop, every defensive rebound, every win that he can out of this roster. Uh, I'm not like I'm not speaking in terms of like long term upside. Who's better poised for the for like the long term? Right. Thing like that. If we're focusing just on the 23-24 season, you got to think the Hornets probably have like a, a relatively noticeable uh, edge over over the Pistons. So once you get to that point, I mean, like it would not surprise me if the Hornets finished 13th uh, in the East. In which case, like that would put them on the under. But I'm gonna take the over. Uh, simply for the fact that there's just a little bit more like room vertically, if you if you're thinking about it along and you know moving up the standings, just there's going to be one or two teams that's going to deal with big injuries. There's going to be one or two teams that have to trade a player, and who knows? Like that could be you know we'll see what Toronto ends up doing with Siakam. Could be sellers, yeah, or An- Ananobi, and so it's like I don't know. You could just see things. Again, the Bulls strike me as a team that's going to try to like push, you know, for a for a playoff spot with a veteran laden team. But maybe they get to a point this season where they feel like, okay, we've got to try to move, you know, Demar or or or, or Zach if you could actually, you know, construct a trade around 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 Zach Levine or something along those lines. Um, so I will take the over, but it but it is close, you know, um, it's really really close. And for this to work for Charlotte, again, I'm. You know, Lamelo's got to play a full season. He's got to take a step. You've got to get, I, you know, I don't know, 50, 60 games out of Gordon Hayward. Mark Williams is going to make a step and solidify himself as the starting center. And PJ has a big year. And maybe even Terry with sort of like a more stability in the backcourt with healthy, healthy Lamelo. Like he kind of refines, regains his like shooting footing while getting to kind of like dial back to being more of a movement, come off screen guy than a, a guy who was really being relied upon for prime you know secondary or at times primary creation last season depending on you know who was healthy and lineup combinations and stuff like that but i think with a guy like williams um anchoring the defense and seeing some of the strides that charlotte made defensively the last you know two months of the season or so whether that was real or not i guess we're gonna we're gonna find out pretty soon and uh so i will say over uh, for 12 and a half in the Eastern Conference for the Hornets as well. But I, I do think it could be, I do think it could be kind of close. So the optimists are in the building. Let's go. Yeah, yes. 12th place, baby. Let's, <laughs> yeah. um, here we go. Um, We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, so... The next over-under that we are looking for for this season, just give me a second, let me pull up the dock. All right, something that will be tied pretty closely to their place in the Eastern Conference, uh, which are going to be their number of wins they have this season. Um, Now, this is a number. The number we're going to be working off of tonight is, I believe, something that Richie came up with. which is Yeah, this is not a Vegas line. This is a Richie Vegas line, not a Las Vegas uh, line. Um, this is 35.5 wins. One of the biggest numbers I'm looking at has the Hornets over-under win totals. I'm seeing 30.5, 31.5. So would be a few games lower than, than what Richie is, is flashing up here. I, I kind of think this is a this is a, a fair number, too. Um, I don't know. Lee, why don't you start us off? Or how do you yeah. think the Hornets end up here? Yeah, so I see Regulator in the chat. 41 wins was good for 10th in the East last year, which is where I've got the Hornets this year. At, you know, with my kind of preseason hope and optimism burning bright, uh, as as is tradition. Um, <laughs> and and so I'll go I'll go over 35.5 wins. I'll even give you. I think it's a 40 and 42 year for the Charlotte Hornets, Ooh. and and that they sneak into that uh, that tenth spot. I think they won 41 games two years ago, if I'm not mistaken. I'll check that while you're giving your pick, BG. I think this is a great number because I think it's going to be pretty close. Like if you were giving me the Vegas over under at you know 30 and a half, 31 and a half, I would pretty pretty uh, pretty convincingly uh, hit the uh, the over. Uh, the over there. Yeah, that does seem a little low, but I mean, I guess they're just banking on kind of more of the same from last year. And like, I mean, we shouldn't be surprised if it does happen. I mean, this is all being held together in a pretty, you know, rather, there's not a ton of margin for error for this team. Correct. And you're, you're, you're still banking on good health as is everyone. And certainly the development of, uh, of some pretty, pretty key players, if not potential star player players on this roster. So, um, oh man, 35 and a half. 
Hey, I, um, by the way, I stand corrected. That was actually a 43 win season two two years ago uh, when you. they had you know that that top 10 offense. Yeah, man, it feels a lot longer. It feels like a long time two ago. seasons ago. Well, since I had them go over 12 and a half in the East, I don't want to do this thing where I have them go over 12 and a half and then under 35 and a half wins. So I feel like I've pinned myself into the corner because I was definitely ready to come on here and say under 35 and a half wins. But uh, I'll go at you know, I'll flip flop here and uh, I'll have them going over, but 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 pretty slightly. I, I don't think they're like a, a 500 team. Um, I probably would put them somewhere between, thir- you know, 36 and, uh, you know, the 40 or the 41 that you mentioned um, a second ago, Lee. So, but yeah, the optimist, the optimism continues here. Like, it's hard to believe this is a this is a Hornets podcast. I guess we have not uh, been beaten down yet uh, by the uh, the impending doom of we're, the rain. We're ready to be hurt. We're ready to be hurt again. <laughs> yeah, clear. <laughs> Clearly, that is the case. Um, but no, I'm, I'm sure fans have tried to forget, but we won 27 games last season. <laughs> oh man, that honestly feels like yeah, that feels high. Just because like, but I guess they did. You know, they closed the season playing you know decent ball. NBA is always obviously weird, like late March, early April. But yeah. that's really when they played some of their best basketball of the season, even while missing some some key guys here. But all right, let's go ahead and keep this thing moving along. Um, obviously, the 23-24 NBA season will be the first year of the in-season tournament. I believe Richie and I did a pod on this, uh, on the in-season tournament a few months ago when sort of some of the other like key details were announced uh, you know, earlier in the spring or summer, a few months ago. But if you don't remember, the Hornets are in East Group B, and they play against Milwaukee, Miami, Washington, and New York. So four games against those teams. So the over-under we're looking at for this is 1.5 group stage wins for the Hornets in East Group B play for the the inaugural um, in-season NBA tournament. Lee, what say you? So uh, my, I think my optimism is going to stop here. Um, <laughs> I, I am kind of excited about this. Like it's going to give like a random night, you know, it's going to give a few random nights in the season. You know, it's going to give us a little bit more of a reason to jump on a post game pod or, or to break down some analysis about, you know, if the Hornets win this game and Miami loses that game, we can, you know, I, I am kind of excited about the in-season tournament. I'm going to go under here, though, mm-hmm. which means I guess my prediction is they're probably maybe only going to beat Washington. And I guess I'm still, uh, you know, as much as, as we say we're ready to be hurt again, I think I'm still traumatically scarred from our two play-in tournament experiences with this <laughs> kind of iteration of the Hornets. So uh, yeah. I guess I'm, um, I'm, I'm pessimistic on their ability to – kind of win games like win games that quote unquote matter. I mean, I guess it's to be fair, it's still kind of yet to be seen how seriously some of the top teams will take the in-season tournament. <coughs> so maybe there's an angle here to say that like actually some of the lower standing teams will it'll mean a little bit more to them than it does some contenders like Milwaukee and Miami, but I'm still going to take the under on this one and say the Hornets go 1 and 3 in group B. Yeah, I mean, I think that's pretty standard math. My guess is uh, most people listening to this, most people who follow the team would probably go a, a pretty similar route. You know, you're probably chalking up Milwaukee 
as a loss as the Bucks look to be one of the best teams in the league. And very excited to see what Giannis and Dame uh, Lillard look like next to one another. I, I know Miami has had kind of a tough offseason. Like they did not acquire uh, Damian Lillard in trade. They watched Max Struess walk out the door. They watched Gabe Vincent walk out the door. Like, you know, starters, very key or key rotation guys from their um, run to the you know, surprising run to the finals this past year. Um, just going to be very reliant on aging Jimmy Butler to continue to drive offense. And, and he's awesome. Bam is incredible and, and a guy that you, you can use as a hub. And, you know, on some nights he's, you know, arguably the best defender in the world too. Very, very, very good player. But even with sort of a lackluster offseason, I, I just do think like there's enough firepower there. Plus Spolstra, like Miami, still going to be a, a really tough team to uh to play against um and then you know new york looks like they're going to be pretty darn good and maybe yeah. maybe maybe new york makes a splash move or it's i mean they certainly have stuff that they can trade they've got a ton of picks they've got some good young players but even even sort of like if they just keep their roster where it is they they look to be a team that's going to be um really tough in the eastern conference so i'll go under and yeah, kind of go the same route as you. One in three for group play in the first in-season uh, tournament. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we'll keep this thing moving here. Next topic, we're going to start with the, uh, the the rookie, the number two overall pick in the 2023 draft. That would be Brandon Miller. How about this over-under I'm going to hit you with? 20 minutes per game in terms of average over-under for Brandon Miller. Does he average more than 20 minutes per game during his rookie season? This is This is an interesting one, actually. Like I feel like there's a few factors here. The first factor against Brandon Miller is like Clifford is just, you know, (laughs) doesn't exactly have the greatest track record with playing rookies. (laughs) So, so there is, there is that, I mean, Hornets fans, you know, anguished for some time for some time to see 
to see more Mark Williams. And that did not happen until Steve Clifford's hand was forced with the trading of Mason Plumley. Um, so, you know, there is kind of that grizzled vet Steve Clifford factor. There's also the how much Gordon Hayward will we get from a health standpoint factor? Like if Hayward's healthy, I still feel like, I mean, we've talked about that a ton on this podcast. Like he's still a very effective player when healthy and would likely, you know, again, a coach like Clifford is just going to play Gordon Hayward if he's available. So that being said, you know, Oubre has gone. McDaniels is gone. So there are wing minutes out there. Um, But of course, Bridges is back. So, all that to say, I'm going to take the over, but just slightly. And I don't think this is like as much of a slam dunk as, as betters might think. I mean, look back just one season ago, Mark Williams averaged 19.3 minutes per game as a rookie. So that's right on that line. Yeah, you, you listed some good points there. And definitely some wise to start with, you know, Steve Clifford maybe being, um, you know, a little, a little less um, – Freewheeling with his, you know, sort of just like giving minutes to a rookie right away. And Charlotte is obviously a team that's trying to make the playoffs next season, whether that's like good, bad, or, you know, prudent or whatever. And the wing room is pretty crowded. Like at full yeah. strength, the wing room is crowded, especially if you factor, you know, what are you going to get out of not just Gordon Hayward, but Cody Martin this season too? Where do PJ's minutes come? It's like with him playing very little five. Not like he's really playing any three or any. Not like he played much three last season either. But with Bridges back, it's like you just you have a lot of like options. I guess is what I'm saying. But if oh. you're going to pigeonhole PJ into really just being like a almost a full time four, say for sort lineups or situations or whatever, then there's just like a little less room in that t- to that two three four you know range for Miller to. Uh, to crack in, what I will say though is, I think this is ultimately why I'm going to end up taking the over. One, hopefully Miller's good. I mean, yeah, yeah that's, like he's yeah, good. Yeah. And then the other thing too, um, I kind of like if he doesn't, I it doesn't necessarily need to be like a, a crisis or anything like that. But Lee, one of the pitches, as as much as I didn't like this being part of the pitch for Miller's the number two pick, was Oh, he can help them win games next season. Mm. Like he's 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 older, and he you can play him more easily next to Lamelo and blah blah blah. Something I, again, something that I was really not thrilled about. Uh, that was not just coming from like people you know covering the team or talking about the team, but something that was literally coming from from within the t- from within the front office, from within the draft room this season. So if Miller doesn't play twenty minutes per game. <laughs> You know, as a as an not like an older rookie because he's you know he's still you know relatively you know very young player. He's still going to be getting better for a while, but just I don't know. Not like I'm not like I could see a mandate or anything like that where you've got to play this guy X number of minutes per game. But just I could definitely see there being some pressure to get him in the rotation as much as any number two pick. I guess that's not like you know a pure project or whatever. So yeah, it's, it's almost like if he's under 20 a game, like did something go wrong with yeah. his like yeah. performance or development? You know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that's fair. Yeah. And again, I it just, I, I think you can make there, you can, you can build a case for either side of this line because again, he's a rookie. This team's trying to win. Um, and again, there's a lot of guys that two, three, four, 
you know, are, are not just like, I mean, some of them are pretty darn good players, but it's just like a lot of vets too. Like, especially if you want to like include guys like, you know, Neil Keener or Ed Sumner, you know, yeah. as, as like, I, and granted, these are not guys you want to like think about playing above the number two pick, but they're like guys you could see Steve Clifford also um, being Liking. fond of, you know, yeah, for, for, the, for their effort and for their, for their defense. So, um, but I'll go uh, slightly over for Miller. Okay. Here we go. This looks like one that Richie may have changed on us here uh, last Ooh. second, actually. Live adjustments. Of, yeah, Live adjustments. Or, or within the last few minutes. So uh, got a curveball there from Richie. And speaking of curveballs, Richie, I, I hope your uh, Atlanta Braves are, are doing a little bit better than they were uh, when we started recording this here tonight. But the line we were looking at in terms of over-under – um, initially, this was set at 24 and a half points per game for LaMelo Ball. It's been moved down to, and this is the one we're going to work off of, 23.5 points per game for LaMelo Ball this season. Keep in mind, last year, in, I guess, 36 games, 23.3 points per game. So this would be, you know, I guess just in terms of a, a you know a box score number, an average um, this Lamelo basically like you know essentially stay around the same with like a modest increase this season. Um, I'll go ahead and jump in on this one here. I think it's going to be under, but I think he's going to play way better. Like I, I say, you know, you want Lamelo to be a, a big time scorer. He's going to be taking ton of threes. You'd love to see some type of uptick with him getting to the line more, but. My hope would be that the 30% usage rate that he had last season, like that's just got to come down some. And I think ultimately that you want it to come down because for him, it's going to always have to be a blend. Like he, he can't just, I don't think he can just be like the, the apex, you know, Luka Doncic, just like absolutely, this guy's just going to run every pick, pick and roll every time down the court and get into the lane and just like, you know, detonate your defense like that. For Lamelo, you want the you you probably like to see the assist, the playmaking jump a little bit, um, along with his uh, just overall like shooting efficiency. He's a great shooter, obviously, in in a bunch of different capacities, whether it's catch and shoot, free throws, runners. Like he's he's really talented, really good touch, really high skilled player, um, and certainly like with a guy like Bridges back, it's weird because for one, you know. Bridges will probably, you know, some of the usage will divert to him. Um, so maybe LaMelo is seeing less possessions, but with a guy like that to be a pressure point on the rim, I mean, maybe LaMelo's getting more catch and shoots or he's getting more closeouts to attack or what have you. So um, I will say under for LaMelo. I would have felt a little bit more confident if we were still going with that original 24.5 points per game number. But even with it being bumped down to 23 and a half, I'll still go under. Not by a ton. I still think he's going to be above 20 points per game guy. But with with like with less usage, more efficiency, but under 23 and a half points per game for Lamella Ball this season. Um, Lee, what do you think? Yeah, no, I think that's it's a very fair point to kind of like kind of adjust Lamelo's scoring statistics from last year based on the fact that he had to carry so much load last season with Bridges out, Martin barely played, Hayward was in and out of the lineup, you know. So, but but I'm actually going to go over here. I'm going to I'm going to say I'm going to say um LaMelo averages 24 and a half this season. Obviously, he was at basically 
last season in a year where he did have to kind of jack. Uh, he still shot 37% from three. Still shot, you know, you know, we've we've talked about his off the dribble shooting, all that type of stuff. Um, re- really has become one of the one of the elite like long range bombers in the NBA, which is which is such a uh, kind of ironic thing to happen. <coughs> you know, pre-draft analysis and, and all that good stuff. But anyways, I, I'm, I'm building a case here for, for, uh, for LaMelo to, to go over on this for the Hornets to again, have like a top, maybe not a top 10, but a top. Well, I'll save that one. I'll save that one. We're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna get to it. But I, I'm building a case here. I'm building a case here, BG. I'm going over massive LaMelo year. Yeah, again, he's in a much better position than he was a season ago, which maybe isn't saying much because the context almost couldn't have been worse than it was. Um, and that's even before the health issues played played a role. He, you know, he was dealt a pretty bad hand before uh, before last season. And no, I mean, I think like there's with Williams back, you know, a guy that he can run pick and roll with. Again, if you're if he's healthy, you let you know Terry settles more into that movement shooter route. You get back to some of those guard guard, you know, screening actions, the pistol sets, the ghost screens, all of that stuff that was definitely like a part of it last season. But when they were a top six offense under James Rago, was like a huge piece of the puzzle, and and it felt like they not not like they got away from it last season. They just couldn't really get to it because of health and roles sort of uh, shifting around and. You know, uh, it's tough for rookies to come in and be an, an impact player, but it, but if Miller shows up and he can be a guy that can give them some some movement shooting and a guy that you can use in those guard to guard actions with Lamelo as well, and um, yeah, P, you know, if PJ makes strides. All of a sudden, you just like you have you can play four round one basketball with Lamelo, Mark Williams, pick and roll, and like that should theoretically lead to a lot of good stuff one way or the other if Lamelo shoots it well and gets to the line a little bit more frequently, well then, yeah, maybe he does get himself to 24 and a half points per game with a bunch of assists on good efficiency. It would be awesome if that happened. Um, I'm just like a little, I'm a little skeptical of like the usage being there. Okay, let's move along here. Something you were sort of just teasing at uh, ever so wonderfully there a second ago, uh, Lee. We're now looking at offense for the Hornets. Over under, is this a top 15 offense in the NBA, keep in mind they finished the NBA, they finished last season 30th out of 30 teams in offensive efficiency according to cleaning the glass. Yeah, so again, I'm I'm building I'm building my case here for a huge Lamelo year for a little bit of a bounce back Hornet season. I, I cannot blame people for forgetting that they won 43 games two years ago. It feels like a decade ago feels like a decade ago they had a top like you said top six offense under Borrego and uh you know Miles Bridges was actually the leading scorer that season LaMelo uh just under him at like 20.4 points per game or something like that so uh, I'm building the case for a huge LaMelo season for the Hornets to again kind of be in that top 10 to 12 offensive uh range um and if Clifford can kind of keep the floor of the defense hopefully a little higher than years past uh, you know that they could they could approach 500 record. Look, hey, it's preseason BG. I'm feeling the love. Man. <laughs> All right, so I'm with you on some of this stuff. I think this is the sales pitch um, with Bridges back and with Mark Williams taking on a more central role with his size, the lob catching, the screen setting. They should they should definitely be able to generate more rim pressure 
this season, which helps. And that was something that they were very good at with James Borrego and, and, and certainly, you know, Bridges being a big, big portion of that um, and something that kind of, you know, dropped for them uh, last season. Um, also during the 22-23 season, only 1.04 points per possession on an after an opponent made shot. So, you know, more than likely like a half court type possession that was worse than the NBA. And I think with an improved defense, which is something they showed signs of life during the back third yeah. of the season. Um, and again, for whatever it's worth, this is only like a 19, 20 game sample, but they were a top eight to 10 defense over the last two months of the year, like starting March 1st through basically like, you know, the first or second week of April, they were, they were eighth in the NBA in defensive efficiency. So, you know, Lacey's numbers can be like a little wonky, but I think with an improved defense, you can get into a little bit more transition, hopefully, um, whether it's steals or Mark William blocks that are there that are like igniting stuff and LaMelo is certainly dynamic. And you think with having um, Miller, Bridges, uh, that they, they should have sort of like more stuff to offer in terms of like athletic wings filling the lane uh, next season. So I think that's the pitch. But I'm still worried about the half-court offense, and I'm still worried about what the second unit offense looks like, depending on how health plays out, uh, depending on how the rotations shake out. So I'm going to go under, uh, actually, for a top 15 offense. Um, I just don't quite see this being a team that creates like enough transition to really like use the um, use those sort of like transition chaos things to like. I guess sort of raise the ceiling, and I just don't think they're going to be quite good enough in the half court to set like an amazing floor. So I'll say under, but like they're not going to be the worst offense in the NBA, you know. And if they jump to being the 19th or 20th offense in the league this season, like you know, that's like that's a that would be I guess impressive. Um, <laughs> but but certainly would still would have be to improvement. <laughs> it would be it would be a big improvement. But I'm still going to go um, under. I kind of think they finish like. I kind of think they finish like middle of the pack in um, you're a middle of the pack or like a little under middle of the pack and like both sort of like, you know, offensive and defensive efficiency metrics. I mean, where do you just, well, this is not an over under, but like, where do you think that the defense could settle in this season? Like, and just, just real quickly in terms of like uh, overall finish in the league. Yeah. I mean, I think the optimistic range would, I can't imagine the defense being better than like 18th. I feel like that's, yeah, that's like almost league average would be as. Although, granted, I mean, if you know, if you buy into like a big Mark Williams jump and and the rim protection and PJ and Bridges being back and you know, but I just I don't think the personnel is there still for like even Clifford's wizardry and you know getting kind of squeezing every little drop out of this team as he does. You know, as a coach, I mean, there are certainly viable criticisms of Clifford, but one thing he does do is manufacture, you know, effort from professional basketball players. Yeah. So I, I would think the highest is 18, and I would I would imagine it's more in that like 20 to 22 range uh, for the overall defense. But I'd love to be I'd love to be wrong. I'd love for it to be a league average or above defense. Yeah, and we'll just see like you know right now, especially with Cody Martin hurt, just sort of like where the wing and guard yeah. you know defense lands, where the screen navigation is, um, with guys like Lamelo and Rozier. Obviously with with Sumner, 
um, with Neil Aquino, they've got they've got guys that can they've got some guys who can defend in the guard yeah. room. And Sumner looks like a guy that could play off Lamelo and shoot it a little bit. I kind of like that addition, honestly, by by the Hornets. I thought that was like a decent decent move for for for, for like for what it is, I guess. Um, and I do think like when I mean, you were sort of talking about Steve Clifford habits, um, Williams obviously has a ton of upside as a defender. As we saw with him as a prospect, as a prep, and certainly his two seasons at Duke. Um, but I thought also just like his habits, JT Thor habits late last season getting to play for Cliff. Like Thor's another one of those guys that like maybe you could also see him chewing into some of Brandon Miller's minutes a little bit. Like if he shoots it and continues to like, you know, be a good team defender and rebound and stuff like that. So yeah, again, I, I see them being like, better over def- defensively not as good as they were the last two months of the season but again still sort of being like kind of around league average there um even with you know steve clifford and mark williams like kind of doing their their damnedest to to prop it up okay next over under here we go um this one i think is is an easy one to sort of like think about a little bit number of all-stars on the roster for the hornets next season 0.5. So this question really, really is like, do you think LaMelo – Is there an all-star? <laughs> like, do you think LaMelo Ball is going to make the 2024 all-star game? Like, he's, the one, he's the one chance on the roster, I think, uh, you know, pretty clearly. So I'll just go ahead and answer. Um, I will take the over with LaMelo. Yeah. I fully realize that, like, it's not going to be easy. Um, the East is loaded. In the guard room, even with Kyrie Irving now in Dallas, you still got Donovan Mitchell, Jalen Brown, uh, DeMar DeRozan, Tyrese Halliburton. Like those guys were all stars last season. Garland, Gar- Garland, who didn't make the All Star last year but was two seasons ago. Now you've got Damian Lillard in the Eastern Conference. Drew, Drew. Holl- yeah, Drew Holiday gets moved, but he's still in Boston. And then, and then along with that, you've got Trey Young. Um, currently, Did you say Halliburton already? Too? Yeah, I said I said yeah. Hall. You got to yeah. have Halley in there. Um, you've got Jalen Brunson, who didn't make the was like a Brunson. very good sort of like sub All Star last year. Very good player. Didn't play great for Team USA uh, in, in the World Cup, but but was solid for the you know was was awesome for for New York yeah. last season. And you still have James Harden too. Like yeah. like you know, chortle if you want. But he was basically at an all-star level last year too, so it's crowded in the backcourt. You Some did lose, you did lose Beal, and you did lose Van Fleet, but it's still yeah. loaded. It's still yeah, loaded, it's, it's still loaded. Adding Dame is tough because it's just like Dame too. Yeah, good he's point. like he's just almost a he. Like he's just like he's a, a lock, lock for it. He's yeah, <laughs> Mitchell's probably a lock for it. Like Garland probably should have been one last season. He's so freaking good. But look, it's just fun to pick Lamelo and say exactly. he's do it. He's the, <laughs> I think I believe he would be the youngest of this group. You know, twenty twenty draft. Um, I, I know Halliburton's the one other guy from that draft class in here, but um, you know he's like eighteen months older uh, than Lamelo. I guess you could say like we talked about Kate Cunningham briefly. Like maybe he's mm-hmm. make a jump, and this gets even more crowded. The main thing is that Lamelo plays at like an all star level. He's very popular, so he'll have lots of like votes, you know. Um, but the main thing for the Hornets and moving forward is that like this guy, um, you know, is is able to uh, is able to play at that type of level and be in this in this kind of conversation. So, uh, for that purposes um, and for sort of like the sake of the team and for you know wanting to pull for Lamelo, I'll say he's going to make an All Star roster for the second time, um, even in a stacked Eastern Conference. 
and uh, the Hornets will hit the over in terms of All-Stars this season. I was going to say, you, you mentioned it right before I was going to. He's done it before, you know? So yeah. this, this would be his second cap if he was able to do it. So, yeah, I'm with you, BG. I'm going to go LaMelo Ball All-Star. So that's just me building my case, playing appearance, 40 wins, top 15 offense, LaMelo Ball All-Star appearance. Just, like, play this back to me in, like, three months and just yeah. look at you. Look <laughs> at you, you fool. <laughs> this could this could look bad. This could look really bad. I, I think – I mean, some of this stuff I, I've said could also look, like, I think equally ridiculous, but – because I have uh, gone with a slightly more of a downer approach, I think I've I've probably uh, saved myself some of the uh, the high end or realistic uh, approach. Depends on how you yeah look at yeah it. fair fair <laughs> fair fair. Sometimes they're they're one and the same uh, here. But all right, we're gonna finish this up with a rapid fire segment. Lee, I believe these were some of the over unders you dropped in earlier this afternoon so real quickly let's go ahead and just hop into it um we're looking at i guess player versus player over unders lee do you want to go ahead and uh, tease these up too and, and we can yeah. answer them yeah so so basically we're pitting two players against each other in a category so technically not an over under but we're we're, we're giving our opinion on whether for, so this category is more total minutes mm-hmm. to um one app, uh, one often injured player and one player that was kind of injured for the first time last year but but felt like he was hurt all year. So who plays more total minutes this year, BG? Cody Martin or Gordon Hayward? Yeah, I'm going to uh, – I'm just a little worried about Cody Martin health-wise. Um, man, I hope he's okay. I'm glad he got, I'm glad he got paid uh, before yeah. um, you know, his body has sort of started to fail him a little bit the last 12 months or so. For a guy who plays very, very hard, um, I'm going to go Gordon Hayward, um, which is not like yeah. I mean, this is a this is a tough one for sure. But I'll, I'll go Hayward um, because I just think um, you know right now it's hard to believe, but even with him being older, um, he's a little more durable um, than Cody Martin at the uh, at the moment. So I'll go Gordon Hayward for more uh, total minutes this season. Golly, I, I you, you forget some of these things when you have a summer to kind of like uh, block it out of your memory to some degree. But like, man, Cody only appeared in seven games last season. That yeah. is, I mean, he, he essentially missed a year. You know, as as hurt as it feels like Hayward is every other week, he played 50 games last year. So yeah, yeah, I think you're right. And I think it's depressing that you're right, but I, but I think, like you said, it's yeah. I mean, again, like you said, props to props to Cody for getting paid. He he earned it and he deserved that second contract. Man, I hope he can get on the floor this year. But I think I think you're right. I think you got to go Gordon at this point. Yeah, yeah. Again, um, maybe maybe it's a little foolish to think Cody's gonna um, play. You know, anywhere close to that few games again this season. And if that's the case, then. You know, Hayward, who's a guy that you can pretty reliably count on missing, you know, double-digit, significant double-digit games per season. Um, maybe Cody's a safer bet, but right now, just without Wesley still dealing with injuries, as a lot of Hornets, the Hornets are actually in the preseason. I'll, I'll go Gordon Hayward, but I'm, I'm hoping Cody can stay healthy, play good yeah. uh, for the Hornets. All right, so next one, we're going with a little bit more of a fun one. We're going... The category is more total double doubles. So, which of these two players 
uh, will wrangle more double doubles throughout the season? LaMelo Ball or Mark Williams? It's an interesting one because um, it does feel like Williams, if he's able to like step into that full-time center role, like he just should be a double-double machine, like if like assuming health and the minutes are there. Uh, for Williams, just for context, last season, per 36, million, per 36 minutes, Mark Williams, 13.2 rebounds per 36 minutes, 12% offensive rebound rate, 28% defensive rebound rate. These are monster numbers. And as what as Richie and I were sort of talking about a few weeks ago, like you can't just like you can't just like prorate it and be like, oh, he's gonna play 10 more minutes per game. So let's just like prorate these out, you know, right on the right on the numbers like that. But um he has across a variety of different levels, Mark Williams has popped as like an elite, elite rebounder. Um, and so it's pretty, pretty bankable and something you're not like necessarily like, you know, you're obviously relying on missed shots and stuff like that, but it's a, it's a, you can be a little more like, I guess, enterprising and individualistic with it. So I'm for more total double doubles. Um, man, I'll go Williams, but like, you know, I could also see Steve Clifford being like, I'm going to start. Nick Richards and uh, you know, and then all of a sudden LaMelo, you know, averages a double double and I look like an idiot. So I'm, I'm ready for that, but I'll say, I'll say Mark Williams with more total double doubles this season. Yeah. I mean, look in support of your pick here, like this dude ended the season. Like, uh, I mean, like, (laughs) like 95 Shaq or something. I mean, he closed the year out with four of his last five games, double-doubles. There was a 16-rebound game in there. He had a 20-rebound game in March last season, mm-hmm. or actually in February last season. Like the, la- the the back third of this season, Mark Williams was a monster. If, if there's one like storyline that I am like theoretically betting on this year is that everyone starts to realize, like, oh man, this guy is like a very easily a top half starting center in the NBA already, but, but I'll actually take the other side. And really the only reason I think I take the other side of this is because LaMelo can get it in two different ways. Whereas Mark can only get it in one. So like LaMelo can go points and assist, or he can go points and rebounds where, Oh yeah. That's, well, well, uh, and, yeah. And, 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 and like there point. might even be games where Mark Williams goes like, 17 rebounds but only scores nine points or something um Mm -hmm. but i mean if you look at his last like 10 box scores of the season you might make the same guess bg did so you know yeah that's a great point and it really probably should be like the difference maker which is that Lamelo's a a real you know a pretty impressive rebounder too and that like yeah he can he can slice you up like that in a few different ways and really be a guy that can you know, collect a bunch of different statistics. So, uh, yeah, if I could, I'll go, I'll say Williams, but if I could amend it, um, I, I, <laughs> no amending BG. Yeah, no, it's, no it's, amending. it's locked in. <laughs> All right. Last one here. Uh, before we get out of here, more total starts, Brandon Miller versus PJ Washington. And I think like at a first glance, the knee jerk might be PJ and maybe it is PJ, but I, I think it's interesting because, of the position that Steve Clifford seems to want to, to play PJ. And because like, we've already talked about kind of the crowded wing room. So, you know, there is a world in where PJ like kind of becomes the everyday sixth man. 
Um, and where Brandon Miller like starts the season hot and is just knocking down all kinds of shots with Lamelo giving him space to do so. Um, so I don't know. Do you have do you have any strong opinion here on this one, BG? Not not like <clears throat> not overwhelmingly strong, but I do feel I do feel pretty confident in PJ starting more games this season. He was kind of an Iron Man for them a year ago yeah. with, with seventy three games, seventy three starts. I think a couple of those games he didn't play towards the end of the season were just sort of like, you know, they yeah. were they were trying to let some of the young guys play a little bit more. So you're absolutely right, though, to point out that there's a couple ways that Steve Clifford could, you know, sort of like toggle the rotations a little bit this season. Um, of course, Miles Bridges is going to be suspended for the first uh, for the, to start the year. But I kind of like my sort of hope for the team is that they settle in with like a starting five of – Lamelo, Rozier, uh, <clears throat> Bridges, PJ, and Mark Williams, and like Hayward sort of slots into like being the guy that can, you know, lead a second unit offense. Um, and if that's the case, then I would obviously feel very confident about PJ, um, you know, being a guy that's going to start a lot of games. But you could certainly see, you know, uh, PJ starting the year as the starting four, and then shifting to a permanent bench role. I think he'd be very good. Like you could move him. Luckily with PJ, you could move him around, right? Like. Yep. He, he can kind of do all of this stuff. He's again very useful, very good young player to have on this team. The Hornets have him on a you know, pretty team friendly contract, at least at the moment. So um, I'll say I'll say PJ to get more starts and feel you know relatively confident um, about that one. Did you forgive me? Did you submit an answer to this one? No, but I agree with you. I, I think, like you said, Clifford could toggle the lineup in a way that it could end up being Miller, but I think the, 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 the favorite would be PJ on this one. Yeah. I think he's got to be, um, I think he matters a lot to them as like a team defender, a floor spacer, a ball mover, um, a guy that can, I really, I really believe in PJ's ability to like connect stuff between LaMelo and Mark Williams, like as a short roll guy with making, you know, plays with Mark Williams in the dunker spot or, you know, doing pick and pop with LaMelo PJ catches it against the bent defense, close out comes, PJ drives, and then you know help comes and he he's lobbing it to Mark Williams. I just see him being like a connective piece. I think Hayward has that uh, yep. ability as well, too. So just I think uh, but again, I think him I see him being an important player for this team on both sides of the floor because he's a you know good help defender. He can switch, he can shoot, and he moves the ball. So without further ado, I believe we have come to the the end of the list here. Hope you guys listening in uh, enjoyed some of the stuff we went through. We appreciate those who chimed in long in the, the comments. So thanks again for joining us. As always, please subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts and make sure to review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere and everywhere. Again, we really, really appreciate those positive reviews. That <laughs> They're nice to read. And uh, they certainly help us out uh, in terms of algorithm type things. Lastly, make sure to visit buzzbeat.substack.com for information about our private podcast feed, where, of course, you'll get early access to episodes, typically multiple hours ahead of the public feed. Sometimes it's a, you know, a little more than that. And also get ad-free episodes. So, again, with the season coming up, um, I know there's a lot of you know, real-life stuff going on with everyone involved in the podcast, but you know, it's time to get cranked back up for a season and there's going to be a lot of great content coming to the podcast and to the Substack uh, page. So please uh, subscribe. Thanks again for the continued support. We'll see you guys next time.
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.